0: Your Bibles, if you would, the Book of Luke, chapter seventeen. Luke, chapter seventeen. This uh, this morning we're we'll going to be looking at the verses from seven to ten of Luke chapter seventeen. If you're there, say Amen. amen. Okay. Let's all stand for the reading of the scriptures this morning as we open the bread of life. In Luke chapter 17, verses 7 through 10. But which of you, having a servant plowing or feeding cattle, will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, Go and sit down to meat? And will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup, and gird thyself, and serve me till I have eaten and drunken, and afterward thou shalt eat and drink? Doth he thank that servant because he did the things which were commanded him? I throw not, or I think not. So likewise ye, when ye have When you shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, we are unprofitable servants, we have done that which was our duty to do. Let us pray. Dear Lord, thank you for this day. We thank you for those you have brought together this morning. Thankful for the the time of uh, recognition for our deacons and Pastor, dear Lord, I just pray that you would just bless this day, that we'll have a, a great time together, a good time of fellowship. I'm just thankful for the, the opportunities that you have given us to, to serve you and carry the gospel throughout the world, dear Lord. I'm just th- so thankful that you will use us and that you will work through us uh, to do your work, dear Lord, thank you for our position in our relationship to you. We just pray, you would help us to understand that relationship this morning as we open your word. Thank you for all that you do for us. We ask these things in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. Been titled this morning's message: "Doing Your Best." Uh, have you ever wondered what it would be like to be a slave? To have a master 24-7, to to, to get up in the morning and not have to make any decisions, you just do what you're told to do. All day long, you're under the control of your master. In in the first century, the roles of servants and masters were very well defined. Uh, There was never a reversal of the roles There were no blurred lines between these roles. The master was always the master, and the servant was always the servant. There was an inequality there. The servant will never rise up to be equal with the master. He was just a servant. The first reading of this parable this morning, it it, it can be repulsive. Uh, It's a hard parable to read. Uh, it, it's, it's harsh, it's unfair, it's, it's unkind, it's difficult, but this is a parable that we don't like. It's a parable that on the surface looks like the servant is being abused, uh, but it, it also it looks like he's not being appreciated. Uh, it looks like our Lord is belittling our service to him that it doesn't matter. But none of this is true. In this parable, it is the grace of God that is exalted. It is the goodness of God that we will eventually see in this parable. Uh, He tells us what it means to be a servant. Uh, Leading up to this passage, there is a key to this parable. Uh, and, and he said in the very first part of a chapter that there, that, that there is going to be offenses. As we look at verse number 1 of Luke chapter 17. And he says, Then said, said he unto his disciples, Jesus is talking to his disciples, It is impossible, but that offenses will come. We understand that there are going to be offenses. Our feelings are going to be hurt. Someone is going to hurt us and hurt us deeply. Jesus said it is inevitable that offenses will come. They are going to come. They're going to get hurt. Uh, Your feelings are going to get hurt. Things are are not going to work out. Uh, There will be offenses. And sometimes you are the one offended. And sometimes you are the one doing the offending. Uh, and, And then Jesus said, But woe unto him through whom they come. Then he says, when those offenses come, you must forgive. One thing that sustains us in our relationship with each other is forgiveness. If we're going to get along, if we're going to enjoy fellowship, if we're going to labor together for the cause of Christ, if we're going to do what is right, to do what is our duty to do, then we must Forgive. Peter would ask the Lord, how many times do I forgive? And Jesus responded by saying, uh, 70 times 7, which was an endless number of times you are to forgive. You're to forgive, and you're to to forgive, and you forgive, and you forgive, and you continue to forgive. Uh, An endless number of times. Jesus says it again in this text. And then the disciples say in verse number 5, Lord, increase our faith. Increase our faith. They're saying, if you want me to forgive, increase my faith. They had it wrong. Uh, They had it all wrong. They they needed to obey what Jesus said. They thought that to forgive these offenses, they needed more faith. Uh, They didn't need more faith. They just needed to obey what God had said. Uh, They just needed to obey. Uh, If you want me to forgive, then you've got to do something. No. No, you don't. You don't have to do something to to be forgiven. Do what God has told you to do. Unforgiveness is an act of disobedience to God. After you have done all that God has has told you to do, you can only say, we are God's unprofitable servants. We have done that which is our duty to do. Don't you know there, there would be revival breakout in our church as everyone said, we just started doing what our God said to do because it was our duty to do it. Amen. We don't have to be prodded. We aren't following some individual's persuasion. We're we're just doing what God told us to do because it is our duty to do it. This may be a good indicator of your spirituality today. When you do what you do, not because someone told you to do it, uh, you, you do what you do, you're going to be shamed if you don't do it, but you do what you do for the Lord because it's the right thing to do. In this context, Jesus is saying, when you have forgiven, even though you have been offended and they have hurt you, and you do what God is telling you to do, at the end of the day, you have just done what it is your duty to do. Again, doesn't this seem harsh? Doesn't it seem unfair? Uh, that's not right. I want my pound of flesh. I want to get even. I want to show them who's in control. Jesus, in this context, in, in that mood, speaks this parable that once we look into it, open up, we will see the sweet truth that can change our lives. This morning, first of all, I want us to see that there is some ex- expectation that the Master has. There are some expectations that the Master has. Verse number seven, but which of you having a servant, uh, they would probably say, yeah, yeah, I, I know someone who has a servant. Plowing or feeding the cattle will say unto him by and by when he has come from the field, that is at the end of the day, go and sit down to meet. Here's a servant that is what we know, uh, 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 here's what we know about this servant. He is entirely and completely owned by his master. He is not partially owned. All of him is entirely, completely owned by his master. He is required to obey uh, fully his master's. No questions asked. Uh, As a servant, you are never allowed to, to ask questions of the master. Never allowed to complain. As a servant, you have one job, one expectation to obey what the master said to do. There is no equality. There is no honor. The servant has been in the field. He's plowed all day long. He's taken care of the cattle. He's fed the cattle. He comes in at the end of the day. And and you can see the servant. He's sweaty. He's, He's grimy. He's dirty. He's exhausted. He's tired. He has worked for his master. He's given it everything he has to give. At the end of the day, he comes in. Is the master going to say, you sit down at the table and let me serve you a meal? (coughs) Well, the disciples were listening to this story and thinking, would this happen? Not in a million years would that happen. It would never happen. Just because the servant had served all day is tired. The servant has done done something good for the master. That does not qualify him to be served by the master. It's not going to happen because the master is still the master and the servant is still the servant. Nothing has changed. Verse number 8 says, It will not rather say unto him, Make ready wherewith I may sup and gird thyself and serve me till I have eaten and drunken and afterward thou shalt eat and drink. The Lord is saying duty never ends. Duty never ends for a servant. He is a servant when he goes to bed at night. He is a servant when he gets up in the morning. He is a servant when he goes out in the field plowing. He is a servant when he's preparing the supper. He is a servant and it's never going to change. He gets no time off. His duty never ends. He's a servant. As a servant, he has no fixed hours. He serves until the master says that's Enough. The master may put extra work on the servant. He may uh, put dirty work on the servant. But the servant has no right to complain. He is a servant. And he, he is doing what servants do. The application for us today. From salvation to the grave. We have a duty to God. What God calls us to do. May seem unfair, may seem unkind, but we are not to question the master. Because we are just servants of the master. We are his servants. We don't have the right to question what Jesus said. Offenses will come, but you forgive them. Why? Because you're a servant. You're not to. Argue. We're not here to argue with God. Uh, we are here to obey God. When you feel the call to preach the gospel, what do you do? Well, I don't feel like preaching the gospel. I don't feel like I'm qualified. I don't feel like I can do it. It is not for you to question the call of God. You are the servant. Would the servant ever say to the master, Well, I worked all day. I'm tired. You wash my feet. You prepare my meal. A servant would never say that. We Christians want to question God, to accuse God of being unfair, accuse God of being too harsh. We want to say, God, that's not fair. Listen to me today. You don't want fairness. You don't want fairness. You want the mercy and the grace of God. So what does that mean? What does that mean? For a teacher that has taught for years, he or she must continue teaching. For the deacon who has served so long, he must continue serving. For the giver who has given so much, they must continue giving. For the preacher who has poured his life into the ministry, he must continue preaching. We can never quit because we are the servants of the master. Do what you do for God simply because... You are his servant, and he is your master. If that's not enough motivation, there's nothing else, biblically speaking, that can motivate you to serve the Lord. You may think that it can't get harder than that in this parable, but it does. Look at verse number 9. Doth he thank that servant... Because he did the things which were commanded him, I throw not, or I think not. He works all day in the fields. He's tired. He's dirty. He has calluses on his hands. He's got redness uh, on his neck from the sun. He he returns and prepares a a meal for the master. He's him the meal, and then he gets to eat his meal, and he goes to bed. In our culture of labor unions and 40-hour work weeks, time and a half, and uh, time and time and a half for overtime, uh, we don't like that. We we don't like that. You're going to pay me for what I do. If I go above and uh, and beyond, you're going to pay me for that. And and then you're going to say thank you. Uh, this text doesn't say anything about overtime in it. It doesn't say anything about labor unions. After all the servant has done for the master at the end of the day, the master doesn't even say thank you. Why doesn't he say thank you? Because a servant is a servant. He does what he's commanded to do. We are living in a day when every kid gets a trophy. Jesus wouldn't be on board with that. Uh, he wouldn't be on board with that. You don't have to be, have a pat on the back to serve the Lord. Uh, I'm thankful that you folks are recognizing me as pastor, but I, I have to tell you and admit that I'm, I'm it's an awkward feeling. Uh, it's never been done for me like, like this before. I've never been recognized as a pastor and thanked, and I don't know how to act served 16 years as a missionary and nobody ever told me thank you and, and I, I don't I just I'm uneasy about this and I you know I do appreciate your thoughtfulness and recognition of it, but it's. it puts me in an awkward position because I, I don't do it for that uh, if I did it for that I'd have quit years ago uh, Amen. and, and um, it's not my motivation um to be thank you, I don't have to have a thank you note. I appreciate it, but I don't have to have it. Has, has the state of Florida ever ever uh, sent you a, a a thank you note? No. I, I mean, you raised your kids. You 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 educated your kids. You you helped them financially. You you clothed your kids. You fed them. Uh, do you know why the state of Florida never gave you a thank you note? Because you did what it was your duty to do to raise your kids. You didn't need to be thankful. thanked for it. It was your duty to do what you did. We go out of our way to help someone in need. If we're not careful, pride will rise up. We start feeling like we did God a favor. We went out of our comfort zone. We helped someone. Surely God will give me a thank you note. No, you did what was your duty to do. What this means is that we must serve our master personally. We must serve our master voluntarily. We must serve our master anonymously. Can we do that? To serve just because it is our duty to serve? There there may be some objections. If I do that, but it's my duty to do, people will take advantage of me. Probably. People will take you for granted. The mistake with that kind of reasoning is this. You're choosing to serve instead of choosing to be a servant. You see, when you choose to serve, you are in control. You, you can decide the time and the place and the limits. But when you choose to be a servant... Whatever the master says, that's where you go. Whatever the master says, that's what you do. You understand the difference? You're not in the driver's seat. You don't have that control. You're not in a position to make the kinds of decisions that need to be made. The best we can hope for is you are to obey the master. And you do what you do because of your sense of duty you have for the master. Mind goes back to it. I told you, you're going to have to give you a chance to talk about some of the things that uh, dealt with in Romania. We had a had a lady, a widow woman, in our church in Romania, Sister Marietta. She was a second member of the congregation. Uh, she had a decent education, but he, she never was able to use it. She she wasn't presentable to the, to the to. The, world around her that somebody would want her dealing with public most of her teeth had been knocked out by her drunk husband she lived in a very small dirt floor house with her kids in one room Uh, she had nothing but she she had a purpose in the church and every Sunday morning, when the wintertime started coming, this time of year she would have been been busy, she would have been active, she lived a few doors down from the church, and she would take a little broom, someone took my broom, they're on the wall in the fellowship hall, (laughs) Katie, what happened to my broom? those brooms up on the wall and, and, and they're just some straw that has been banded together now once on the wall is ornamental but she used one of these it wasn't ornamental it was a tool and she would every morning Sunday morning before everybody while everybody was still trying to wake up and find their coffee and find their clothes she walked down wait, uh, walking in the snow sometimes and get to the church, and she would she would start the fire in the church. She had to make three fires: one in the in the, the general the assembly area for all the church, and and one and one each in the different small classrooms. And you could put the whole building on our stage. That's how big it was. But she had to make those fires. Well, those people who remember how to make fires, you don't just go in there, and light a match, and walk off with, from it. You've got to work it. You've got to, you know, tend to it to get the fire, get the wood started. The building's cold. The wood is sometimes snow-covered. You have to dust the snow off of it, put it in the fire, cut it all up. She had a little axe, and she would uh, cut up the wood, and while she got the fire started, she'd take that broom, and she'd start sweeping the carpet, picking up the trash off the, the benches. If she found any pieces of uh, Sunday school literature left over from the week before. She might use that to help start the fire. And she she clean that building up, and she tend the fire, and clean it, and and, and, and that was her that was her job. When by, by the time the people got there, it was clean, it was warm, and nobody recognized what she was doing, and, and nobody had to ask her to do it. She just did it because that was what her duty was to do. Nobody patted her on the back. Nobody thanked her. Nobody begged her. Nobody paid her. She's with the Lord now. And I'm blessed to be able to have uh, conducted the service for her passing. Uh, But she was dedicated to the Lord. She didn't have anything to give. But herself. She couldn't put money in the offering place. She had no job. She had no money. She depended on her kids to work and get some money in the field to bring in enough to buy food for the day. And she was a wonderful woman. She served the Lord selflessly without recognition. Uh, That's the image of a servant. That's the image of a servant. There's another objection, and that is, it's just not normal. It's not normal for people to obey simply because it's the right thing to do. It's not normal for people to obey simply because they, they see it's their duty to God. It may not be normal, but it's required for us to fulfill God's plan for our lives. That's just what we're supposed to do. There's not only that, but there's a servant's motivation. In verse number 10, Jesus has set this up for the disciples. The servants have served all day. He's, he, he comes to the end of his day. Does the master serve him? No. We have the master and the servant. And now in verse number 10, we have Jesus and the disciples. As we see uh, in verse number t- uh, 10... It says, uh, so likewise ye. He, he directs uh, this to his disciples. When, when, he, when ye shall have done all those things which are commanded you, say, excuse me, we are unprofitable servants. We have done that which was our duty to do. You see what Jesus did here? He got them to agree with them in the first scenario. The master would never serve the servant. Jesus has established a truth that no master would ever serve the servant. Then he laid down beside this truth a spiritual lesson. The lesson here is there are some things you have to do because Jesus is your master and you are his servants. You don't get a vote. You don't get to decide. The disciples have agreed with him in his story. Then Jesus says, so likewise ye. So likewise ye. What are they going to do with this? How are they going to get out of this? They have agreed and Jesus is right. He says that is the same kind of relationship we have. The matter of forgiveness is not pleasant. It's not easy but it's your duty to do it when you have done it all you can say is i i'm an unprofitable servant i've done what was my duty to do what do you think the greatest hindrance to that would be the greatest hindrance to forgiveness do what the first part of this chapter says to do, to forgive that person that's offending you, what is the one thing that will keep you from doing this? Pride. Pride. Pride makes us feel like we have a right to hold on to wrong done against us. Pride makes us feel like we have a right to get even. Pride makes us feel like we have a right to suppress and not deal with it. It's only by humility that we can say, I have to do it. I've got to do it because I am an unprofitable servant. It is my duty to obey my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And by grace, by His grace, I'll do it. I'll do it. A humble heart, a humble spirit, make humility by the... Be the uh, overwhelming virtue instead of pride. Humility. Uh-huh. Uh, even the donkey that carried Jesus in the city of Jerusalem knew that the applause was not for him. The applause was for the Savior. The lack of humility and the presence of pride will make you believe you are equal to the Master. No, he is the Master. We are the servants. He will never, we will never be his equal. He will always be the master, and we will always be the servant. Let us do what is our duty to do. Some might say, uh, "What about my reward?" Okay, you may get rewards,
1: but if all
0: that but, but if all that happens is you spend eternity with Him, you have been well rewarded. Amen. You get nothing else; you have been rewarded. Think of the cross where sin was paid for. The empty tomb, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the eternity in the presence of the Lord. What else do you want? To be able to serve God as a blessing that came from God. As wonderful as your talents may be, that's not what enables you to serve God. As strong as your body and mind may be, that is not what enables you to serve God. Do you know what enables you to serve God? God, the grace of God. Jesus doesn't discount duty in this parable. and His entire life is an example of duty. The duty of our Lord led him to the garden of Gethsemane, where he prayed until uh, until great drops of blood came from his brow. Uh, It was his duty at Calvary, where he would be spit upon, mocked, and, and, and crowned with a crown of thorns. And, and, and then there was the that he would being pierced by a Roman spear. To be forsaken by his Father in heaven. By grace, you can be his servant. By grace, you can serve him for the rest of your life. You know why we ought to serve Jesus? Because he is worthy of our service. The former president, Jimmy Carter, who was a student at... Annapolis, Naval Academy. He was sitting across an admiral, admiral, and the admiral was looking at his credentials, his grades, his achievements. He looked at the future president and said, "Did you always do your best?" The future president would bow his head and say, "No, sir." I didn't always do my best. The admiral said, why not the best? Why not the best? Can I ask you the same question? Why? Why not the best for the master? Why not the best? S.C. Kirk would write these words a hundred years ago. Hear ye the Master's call. Give me thy best. For be it great or small, that is his test. Do then the best you can, not for reward, not for the praise of men, but for the Lord. Every work for Jesus will be blessed, but he asked from everyone. His best. Our talents may be few, these may be small, but unto Him is due our best, our all. Amen. I ask you today have you given God your best? Are you willing to be that servant? that servant that will serve without recognition, without somebody prodding you. Just serve because it's your duty to do. Let's pray. have Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you, Lord, for services, services, Thank you, Lord, for giving us the opportunities to serve you, giving us the abilities and some special talents that will enable us to do our best for you, dear Lord. I pray, dear Lord, today as we come together that we will all commit ourselves to giving you our best. Don't just halfway serve serve you, but to serve you with our entire lives. Not for thanks, Not for a pat on the back, but because you are God and you are our master. Thank you, Lord, for all you do for us. Thank you, Lord, for everything. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.